folks, and welcome back to another episode of Encourage, Build, Grow. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and we are here today talking about leadership development, communication, and personal development for design professionals. And I've actually got a, another friend, as I told you a couple of weeks ago on the on the podcast, that I've just been twisting the arms of all the people that actually like me to convince them to come on this podcast. And eventually I'll get other people that don't either know me or don't like me to come on this podcast. And that's that's kind of the way that's kind of the way that it's working out. And, and in all seriousness, though, I have a good friend of mine, Greg Bland, who is a registered landscape architect. He's actually a, a friend of mine. Our kids know each other. We're we're kind of quasi neighbors because he doesn't live that far from me here in Fayetteville, Arkansas. But Greg has been doing landscape architecture for some time now. And I thought it would be really cool to have him on the podcast to talk about leadership and communication from his perspective and then just kind of go from there. So without further ado, Greg Bland, how are you doing? And I'm doing great, Randy. Thanks for uh, having me on your podcast. This Absolutely. is a lot of fun. Glad to have you over to the house and uh, get to catch up with you a little bit. Yeah, we're actually sitting out here on his back deck. It's a nice, cool breeze. We've been feeling 90 degree heat here in Arkansas in, in the late September month. So uh, it's nice to get a little respite from that. But well, that's cool. So, so Greg, why don't you just just talk a little bit about yourself and your background, just to share with the audience where you know where you've come from, and as we like to call it, your superhero origin story. My superhero origin story. Oh, wow! Do I have to tell about the kryptonite as well? Yes, so, you okay. have to tell it all. Well, um, I mean, you you say you're Northwest Arkansas. I, I was born in Fayetteville, so I'm I'm hometown guy here. I've always been uh, been loving Northwest Arkansas and the uh, the landscape here. Spent most of my time here. Went to the University of Arkansas, spent a little bit of time in Nashville, Tennessee, kind of cutting my teeth over there, kind of learning the trades, and um, came back over here whenever I uh, got licensed and decided to kind of set up shop for myself and doing some some fun design work for uh, custom homes and other landscapes that, that kind of call for that same level of detail. So, and I know that I've seen some of your work, your work has been featured and in several magazines locally, and I was really blown away. I'm like, man, my friend actually did that. That was kind of cool. So, you know, a lot of times people don't know what landscape architects do. And anybody that's listening to this, you know what you do as a landscape architect, but just give the audience just a, a rough idea of, of what a day looks like for you when you're in the throes of multiple projects. Oh, I would just love to love to tell you that I get to spend all my days walking around outside <laughs> picking roses and it's <laughs> it's probably a lot like a lot of your listeners. I sit in front of a computer probably, you know, more time than not. I do get to go out and, and spend a little time on site, you know, meeting clients, walking around their, their landscapes and kind of talking about improvements or maybe it's a new site, you know, a new home that's about to get put in the ground. So we kind of help pick where that house is going to go and the orientation and how it's approached, where the pool's going to go. That's that kind of fun stuff. I mean, most it's a lot of educational you know, people are hiring me, you know, they've never hired a landscape architect or a designer and they're just kind of, you know, so I have to educate them a lot and say, well, you know, I, I don't just pick plants, you know, I'm working <laughs> on the drainage and the, the lights and the, tell them, my, my analogy is, uh, you know, if, you're, if your landscape is a cake, I spend, in, in the icing is your plants, I probably spend 90% of my time on the cake and maybe 10% on the plants, you know, you get, you kind of got to know on the front end, you know, that you, what that icing is going to look like. But you know, I spend more of my time, you know, doing grading and drainage and, and slopes and all that good stuff. So I enjoy it. Okay. So, I mean, 
what I'm curious to learn is, is was it what you expected coming into this when you were going to school and you were getting, you were studying landscape architecture? I have, I have, I actually have quite a few landscape architect friends and they all have different stories about what they expected get coming into the industry. And I mean, I'm asking this really for those that are listening that may be studying landscape architecture right now in school and they don't know kind of in what direction they're going to go when they come out. But was it what you thought it was going to be? I would say I'm getting it's it's coming around like I'm I'm getting to direct it kind of more into the the direction that I wanted it to be back then. Okay. Which was what? Well, just, you know, the idea of, you know, being able to come up with a great design and have somebody implement it. Yeah. You know, coming out of school, you think, "Oh, I'm a great designer or whatever. I can throw a few lines on a page and somebody's just going to fall in love with it and it's just going to appear in the landscape or in the built environment and and there's just, there's so many more things that they don't teach you in school that, you know, the the politics of it, that getting people on board with your ideas early before you even, before they even see a design. So it's just all the relationship building and it's just, it's, it's a huge process and huge profession that you kind of come out of school thinking you, you know it all, but it's a, it's kind of a lifelong learning process, really. It is, and the fact that clients have opinions is is one of them for oh, sure. Yeah, they, the, you know, you get you get humans involved, and and there's all kinds of fun stuff that happens. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. I love that. So let let's let's stay here for a second because I would like to talk about what because you, you you brought it up, and it's something that we talk about a lot when when we talk to design professionals. It's it's some of it is the lack of the lack of preparation beyond the scope of the technical abilities that an individual is equipped with when they go to college and go through and matriculate through and get a degree. What were the things that were missing for you? And I'll give you an example just to kind of help you. A lot of design professionals that I talk to say, man, you know, we never got like project management training. We never, nobody ever walked us through how to work with a client. They just told us how to deliver a product. Yep. Or service. But they never walked us through those interactions and those relationships. And I'd love for you to kind of talk about what you didn't get and what it took for you to actually get up to speed where you felt comfortable and, and felt like you were actually doing something. You know, it's so easy to throw, you know, the education system under the bus. You know, yeah, they've, yeah, o- they've I, only got you for four years. Right, right. And I'm not and trying to do that at no, all. I just, no, I yeah, it, but, yeah. But I mean, I think, I think a lot of our people in our profession will do that. Well, they just didn't prepare me, blah, blah, blah. Well, <laughs> It's, I mean, it's just part of the the system is you, you know, you learn some of those technical things in school, but yet the out on the job, having those interactions with that contractor and learning how to rely on them and, and just all the different follow-ups you've got to do in the documentation as, as you, uh, you know, work with the client and kind of keep, keep good notes. Um, that's, you know, so you, there's tons of good things you learn in school, but just how you apply them end up, yeah, it, the system of, of actually going and interning underneath someone who's been there and done that really, it's critical. Yeah. Would you have done anything differently in your years in college before you'd actually gotten out into the workforce? Maybe a different type of internship, maybe would have tried to do something else to develop your skill set? Yeah, looking back, I probably would have taken a couple more business courses. Okay. You know, because I, I wouldn't, you know, I kind of imagined that I would be out working for somebody else, which I did for a little bit, but, you know, Going out on my own, you know, <laughs> you just kind of do some uh, learn as you go, trial by fire things. Right. And some of those lessons can be a little, little painful, but boy, they, they stick with you. Yeah. No, they definitely <laughs> do. They definitely do. So I like the fact that, I mean, I, I appreciate your honesty about that because it's, it's, I, I hear it over and over again. And I don't know that there is a way 
to change the curriculum of, of schools in terms of making sure that they give more of the soft skill development side of things for design professionals, which we all know they need, mm-hmm. right? Which is, that's why I talk about leadership development. That's why I talk about communication. To me, they're like the two major things. But what would, what, why don't you share like some of your, the leadership lessons that you've learned over the years that have really served you well as you've gone out to serve the needs of your clients as a landscape architect? Oh man. I mean, some of the most painful ones always come with, with dollar signs. Yeah. When you, you know, when you're dealing with the client, preparing them on the front end for what bills might be coming down the road. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's just so critical. And I think, you know, when you're first starting out, it's, it, you don't know. And, and so it's, it's really hard to kind of project those things, but, but really kind of getting that communication in early and saying, Hey, here's where we're going to go. And, and if, and if you, you know, maybe you've planned so many hours or so many dollars and you've gone way over, just, you got to chalk that up to, you know, to education, you know, paying, you've paid for your education there by, Hey, I'm just going to stick to my word. You know, I'm going to charge you what I said I was going to charge you and I'm going to eat the rest just because, you know, that's, there's so many times that happens. I think early on that doing that a little bit more will, you know, you're, you might be hungry at the time. You might really need be needing that check, but the relationship is way more important and that will, it will pay for itself dividends uh, later on down the road. Yeah. By, by keeping, by preserving those relationships. I think, and I'm glad you brought relationships up. I was just doing a training in New York City with the Port Authority. And one of the things that we talked about with some very seasoned design firm owners was the importance of continuing to develop those relationships. The example that I gave was simply that if you build a relationship with your client and they become a friend, well, I always tell people friends don't fire friends. Yeah. Right. That never happens. <laughs> now, there might be you might run into a situation where a friend has to come to you and say, hey, Greg, you know, this has been great, but here's where I am. And they'll they'll have a moment with you where they'll share and bear their soul and be like, we can't move on with our current relationship. And here's why. And I want to, you know, so you get that that level of transparency instead of that call saying, hey, things just aren't working out the way that we had hoped. We're going to go in a different direction because no design professional ever wants to hear. Oh, that. no. That's 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 the nail through the heart. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I only say that I only bring that up because you brought up the word relation, the R word, and mm-hmm. I think relationship is very. I mean, it's it's critical in any business setting, right? You have to, from a B two B perspective, if you're working with other businesses and serving their needs, or if you're working directly with a consumer, which you do, mm-hmm. you have to understand what those how important those relationships are. Not only is it important for your bottom line? But most of those relationships lead to other relationships. Oh, yeah. And, and I'm sure most of, or not most, but a good portion of your work is probably word of mouth. Yeah, good, a good percentage, <laughs> I would say. So it's like the 80-20 rule, right? You know, yeah. you probably get 80% of your business from 20% of well, your clients. And, and the people that are unhappy are going to speak out more loudly than the ones that are happy. Absolutely. So, and you got to keep them happy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So what do you see as as some of the biggest challenges facing design professionals and specifically landscape architects since you're, you know, you're, you are in the throes of it, but what do you see as, as, as a threat to the industry as it stands right now? Well, I'm a home-based business, so I work out of the home and so I, I don't get a nice setup there. I mean, your your office is, your office looks good. I don't, I'm not out there, you know, cruising through other people's offices all the time. So, you know, I'm, 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 my view on that's a little limited, but I'll just so I just know from my point of view, the uh, you know 
the technology changing every 12 seconds is really hard for, you know, the solo entrepreneur guy who's just trying to manage everything. Man, when, uh, you know, when you've got 10 different pieces of software and three of them are, you know, updating, it's just hard to, to kind of stay on top of that for sure. But, uh, but I think there's a lot of, I guess I don't focus too much on the threats as I do on the, on the opportunities. Yeah. Like right now, I'm, I never would have, I've decided, I've, I've kind of made a choice for myself that I, I don't want to start, you know, a big company where I've got lots of people working for me in an office. I could do that, but I've just, that's not my thing. I like to design. Uh, but right now I'm using technology to my advantage. I've got a draftsman in Bolivia who's awesome. I mean, he's, he'll probably listen to this. So, okay. so what's up, Diego? <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. We, we've got this awesome relationship. He's an architect. He does a lot of 3D modeling in the software that I use. And he, you know, whenever I need him, he's just, hey, yeah, he's just happy to help out. And so um, we do a lot of work together. How did you come in contact with him? I used a, a website called Upwork. Yep. Sure. Um, so, yeah, outsourcing. And it's just anything that can be done on the computer, you can uh, you can get help with. Because those of us who are, you know, kind of get overwhelmed at, at times, you know, the, the wave of clients comes in all at once. You know, like right now we get seven new clients in the last week, you know, they're calling and she's like, man, how do I deal with all this? So setting up some... Uh, some checklists and some some routines that are standardized that you can help kind of hand off in bits and pieces really helps. I know, man, we're talking, <laughs> we're t- hitting like ten different subjects right there. No, it's once, fine but, because uh, and, I, and you're bringing up a good point, and it's actually taking me to that that other place that I like to talk about, which is the future. You obviously, I mean, there are. I keep telling people that in a not so distant future, there will come a time where where design firms will be able to go out. And just like you, you order or get an Uber or a Lyft, you'll be able to find a design professional that can come, come in and help you on a project. And you'll, you will be able to vet them by looking at their portfolio of work, mm-hmm. what they've done, how competent they are. And then you'll be able to pick and choose people from there. Now, a lot of times people say, oh, well, I don't really want that because I want everyone internally. And I don't know that we're going to have that luxury. Yeah. I just don't think it's going to exist. And so what you're describing in terms of your relationship with Diego, we're seeing it there. There are several design firms, architectural design firms based out of India that will basically pick up where if I'm, if it's five o'clock in, in La Jolla in California and I'm, you know, I'm wrapping up for the day, I'm transferring all my files to a server in the cloud. And then I, we have a team of people in Mumbai or someplace else in India or someplace else, just fill in the blank. And they're going to pick it up from there and start yeah. working on it. And then when I come back to the office in the morning, I'm that much further ahead. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of firms are willing to embrace that and then some are resistant to it. And I think those that are resistant to it are going to miss out because yeah. even and, – and you are a perfect example of that because you you are a solo practitioner, like you said. Sure. And you're using somebody in another country that has a lot of the same capabilities that you have to generate additional work and to also be able to take on – what you have on your plate and help you out. I sure. do the same. I do that. I have, I can, you know, with, when it comes to podcasting and, and a lot of my website stuff, I can do all of that, but I just don't have the time to. And yeah, we're I need creatures. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I always have to look for some help, but I only say all that is, is to encourage those that are listening is where and when possible. Um, if you're a small design firm owner and you can identify some skilled individuals to help you, especially on the design side of things, which can tend to take up a lot of time. I'm not suggesting that you hire somebody externally 
for business development unless they're local. Because, I mean, you can't have anybody doing BD for you in India. That would be very difficult unless you're doing business in India. Yeah. But I think you can hire individuals like a Diego and others that, that can help you achieve objectives that you've set forth in your organization. Well, and and I can hear, and I've heard the, you know, the pushback from other people too, that, you know, it's like, well, why aren't you, you know, hiring somebody here locally or mm-hmm. whatever? And it's like, well, you know, I, I don't have a consistent need and, you know, it's, it's really complicated trying to, you know, keep somebody busy and yeah. I've, I've done it and it's hard. And it just, it creates my, it actually increases my workload instead of taking it down. You know, you're talking about, you know, going to India or whatever. I like, I kind of like the South America thing. It kind of keeps us on the same same time time zone roughly. Yeah. And so we're kind of working side by side rather than handing off. It's like when he's got a question, he just shoots it to me and we're back and forth. It's great. But also, I think also people will say, well, you're just kind of, you're abusing, you know, the, the system or whatever. It's like, no, well, you know, he's getting paid really well, you know, right. for the, for where he's at, I, from what I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know for sure, but I mean, the, everything I've, I've looked up, you know, he gets paid pretty well for where he's at. And I just, I couldn't afford that here, yeah. you know, and still, and still make a profit. So, I mean, it's, it's just kind of the, the life we're living right now. And um, it's, it's been a, been a help. Yeah. No, I think it's really good. And I know a lot of people listening probably have questions about, well, what does that look like and how hard is it? Because I personally work with virtual assistants in Asia. Mm-hmm. And so I'm usually always 12 hours behind them. Yep. Uh, actually 13. And so when I'm getting up in the morning, they're about to, you know, they're calling it a day. And when I am going to bed, they are just getting started. So, yeah. you know, our conversations tend to work out, you know, happen early, early in the morning or late in the evening. Yeah, you've got a small window yes. at e- either and, end of the and, day. And that, so, yes, there is, there is the drawback of not being able to just like, oh, I have a question or an idea at 12 noon my time. Well, I know if I send them a message, they're not going to respond until about six or seven hours later. So, you know, I have to kind of, you know, you have to govern yourself accordingly, but it's not that difficult to do. I mean, you can certainly do that oh, yeah. and and figure out a way to set it up. But but you're right. If you can get in the same hemisphere on in, you know, in similar time zones, especially with people in South America and, and they're virtual assistants everywhere. It doesn't matter, oh, yeah. you know, where Eastern Europe, you name it, depending on what you need, there's a virtual assistant out there for everything. Well, on the flip side, I mean, this part of what I'm about is is really kind of giving back to the profession in some way. And so I do believe in, you know, locally, you know, we got the university here going up there and sitting on critiques and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I do I do enjoy the, the face-to-face personal investing in in the, the people here and the students coming up. So I'm always offering, hey, if you know, students, if you're if you're in the profession or you know you're studying, man, come shadow for a day. I'll I'll be glad to to show you around, you know, some job sites under construction. Cause I know that was something that was kind of missing. I didn't get to really get those boots on the ground like right. uh, that I have available. I can, you know, kind of show them what's going on. But also, we're doing some, you know, plans for the future as, as our business where we're actually doing some online training and it's a, it's kind of a virtual thing. But I'm, I'm really wanting to, to pour back in and, and teach some of this next generation some of the, uh, some of the lessons learned, you know, as we've, as we've, uh, gone through learn them for ourselves well tell us so so you've got landform design which is is your your design practice mm-hmm. but then you also have plans for the future tell us a little bit about give us a glimpse inside of plans for the future is it a landscape architecture university online or what is it well it's it's kind of in its infancy still when we're in the first year 
my friend uh, David Schmidt, he had uh, township designs here in town and we both really love, you know, doing the residential thing. And we both, you know, been doing it a while and kind of had, had realized we'd, we've gained some knowledge along the way that we could pass along and, and really to, to kind of benefit the most people, we saw that the technology was there to kind of record and create a class that could be accessed anywhere in the world. So it's plansforthefuture.net. Um, it's, you know, we call it, it's the rough version is, is kind of up and running right now, but it's one of those things that, you know, you kind of, once a student buys in, they're in it for the long haul and right. it's going to get upgraded and, and improved and added on to as, as things go. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's starting off slow, but I'm hoping, uh, hoping the idea will catch on. As if you don't already have enough work to do, right? <laughs> I'm telling you, <laughs> you know, parenting, yes, the whole running a business. Yards. It's, it's always fun. something. So what do you see are, what do you see in the future for, for landscape architects? Mm, that's a great question. I think the, one of the best things about our profession is that a lot of it is rooted in plants. Plants don't change just all that much. I mean, there's, yeah, there's people out there breeding new plants and stuff, but for the most part, you kind of have to work with what God gave you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so that is one piece of stability that I kind of, kind of latch on to, but a lot of it is, you know, learning how to work with, you know, you know, architects doing new building systems and being able to, you know, work at, at the speed that they're working on and, and responding in, in a timely manner. So uh, just that ad- adapting with the technology is huge. But yeah, I, I see the, the uh, software evolving and I'm just, I'm hoping that somehow we don't get completely replaced by some, you know, program or somewhere. But as for now, it's like getting that real human eyes on the on the ground, right, makes a huge difference, you know? right. And I don't, I don't see that being replaced anytime in my near future. So, you know, I have a question to ask you because I know in a lot of um, a lot of des- uh, landscape architecture shops, you know, the the designers kind of feed off of each other. So when you it's time to do a charrette and kind of sit down and go through some things, how do you accomplish that as a solo practitioner? Well, there's a few ways. I mean, it's kind of fun working with my buddy David. I mean, yep. we we've we've had to really compare notes and kind of figure out how we both do things and so it's that's been a a fun experience. You know, the continuing education credits you you got to have, so I'm constantly going to seminars and you know, sitting in classes and and learning from other landscape architects. So that's in just the camaraderie there is a lot of fun. You know, the state ASLA is is very important. ASLA is the the uh, landscape architecture professional association here. So how many, how many landscape architects are there in Arkansas? See, you got you to prepare me with those I'm kind sorry. of questions. <laughs> I was just wondering because, I, I mean, I, I, I would imagine that it's not... Not enough. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's a pretty small number. Yeah, I don't, I don't have that at the forefront of my mind. But, yeah. Uh, I mean, the, when you look at just the number of design professionals, period, in all of the, in all of the verticals and all the markets, we just don't have enough, period. You know, so I, I'm even telling young people, hey... You should consider a STEM. You should consider these options that are out there because, you know, there's just going to be a lack of them. Just like people are having a hard time finding good plumbers, having mm-hmm. a hard time finding carpenters. I mean, it's we're missing out. Well, and also I think the focus on the environment is going to uh, really play into that. So you know, if you're if you're on the fence about going to school for it, do it. It's it's just going to I think the demand is just going to grow. Yeah. Yeah. And what have you been doing lately to continue to refine and hone your business sense since that's not what 
what you were classically trained for? What have you been doing personally to really fine tune that, whether it's your ability to interact with a, a, a potential client, your ability to interact with another trade within the industry? How have you been, what, what have you been doing to improve that? One of the big things I think is, you know, working with David on, uh, he's a little bit more business savvy mm-hmm. than I am. I'm a little more, I'm just really passionate about design and I, I stick to that as much as possible, but he's really kind of pushed me on uh, standardizing processes. Okay. And so I'm using a piece of software called Process Street, which okay. is just really cool as far as building some standardized checklists. And so every, every time I go through a project, you know, I'm always adding one little step. It's like, whoa, I, I should have had that one piece of information right there at my fingertips. Next time I'm going to ask for that ahead of time and then it'll put go into the system. And so that's, I know designers a lot of times, I know I resisted standardizing. It's like, hey, it's just me. I don't need a right. handbook. <laughs> yeah. But when you do standardize the, you know, the non-creative portions of what you do, it's, uh, it really frees you up. So whenever you do, you have time to do the creative portions, you know, by standardizing the, the other day-to-day things, it gets you through those faster so you can design more and, and do a better job at it. Yeah. Well, it takes all the guesswork away. I mean, you just don't have Oh, and it. You, don't, yeah. you, do, you don't miss the things falling through the cracks. Right. Oh, it's been. Right, right. And it's also digitally, so it's sitting in the cloud and actually you can bring in other people like those digital assistants or my wife, Julie, she does the uh, the books. And so she's over there helping you know, putting together some some promo packets whenever you want to send those out to a new client or whatever. So she's she's right there with me, kind of improving the system as we go. No, I love that. Yeah, Process Street. I've heard of that. There are several out there that that firms can use. I'm always surprised when I go into some of these. You know, I've gone into some million dollar plus firms that you know, environmental and planning and landscape architecture firms. You know, they may have 30, 40, 50 people and they're still doing everything on a dry erase board, scheduling yeah. on a dry erase board and an Excel spreadsheet. And I'm I'm kind of blown away by it. Not that, that, you know, you can use the basic tools, but there are enough new systems out there that can help you. And I think there there needs to be more simpler systems. Everybody can't afford Dell Tech. Yeah. Uh, and Dell Tech may be overkill. And I know that's heresy. I've done a lot of stuff. <laughs> I've done a lot of work with Dell Tech. So I love Dell Tech, but it's not meant for everyone. And yeah. just like you're using Process Street, there are other programs that are out there that are worth um, things like Asana, Trello. Exactly. They're, they're cheap or free. Yeah. Um, yeah, super helpful. And it's probably worth it for you to, especially if you're a small, if you're a solo practitioner and you don't want to use like a Process Street. I mean, what what Greg is mentioning with Asana or Trello, you can probably come up with a simple manual for how you do your work, and then plug it into some of these off the shelf softwares that would be available to you to use to then streamline the work that you do. So as Greg mentioned, you can get back to the thing that most designers, I believe, enjoy, which is the design. Sure. Yeah. And, um, you know, in plans for the future, that's that's one of the things is we've, we've built out some of these processes so you don't have to start from scratch. And so our beginner version of, of uh, plans for the future is all about if you're starting up from scratch, you know, this is the boost that's going to get you up and running faster so you don't spend six or eight months, you know, spinning your wheels, trying to reinvent the wheel. And so, yeah, that's that's kind of why we did that. All right. I love that. That's great. Well, man, I, I really appreciate you taking time today to uh, just sit down with us and, and kind of give us some insight into what it's like as a solo practitioner and a landscape architect. And and like I said, I've seen your work and I'll try to link to it if I can still find that article online. I 
I think it is, or maybe you can share it with me. I'll set um, you up. Yeah, that'll be good. We'll we'll link to that in the show notes so you guys can check out Greg and, and what he is all about. But uh, Greg, if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? Go to landformdesigns.com. We've got a little form in there if you're interested in, you know, being a, a client, you know, or just have a question, you know, the little form will email me and I'll I'll email you back. Yeah, that would be nice. That's a novel idea, right? So anybody out there that's a young landscape architect, Greg is certainly a resource and I would encourage you, I don't care where you are, you don't have to be in Arkansas to reach out to him. Just just shoot him an email and uh, he, he is a man of his word, so he will get back to you. And uh, we'll certainly link to plansforthefuture.net and landformdesigns.com on our show notes so you can check it out. So last but not least, before we close out, I have to ask you, and I am putting you on the spot now. Oh, boy. What was the last book that you read that really impacted you? The last book that I read, I would have to say that really impacted me. I'm sad to say I'm actually reading Lord of the Fl- oh, Lord of the Flies. No. <laughs> That's a good Lord book. Lord of the Rings Lord of the for Rings. the first time. Okay. But the one that I most recently read that impacted me was uh, Bill Bryson's uh, Walk in the Woods. Okay. Um, one of my long time dreams is to hike the Appalachian Trail end to end in one end in one venture. But uh I don't know, man, the way my middle aged back is feeling, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do that. But oh man, Tell I can at least it. do it through a book. Yeah, exactly. Well that that's that's a start. And maybe you could you've got some you've got some boys. Maybe you can convince some of them to join dad on a trip and you know, try to make it happen. It so. might not have to be a six month trip. Maybe no, maybe a no, weekend. No. What I mean if you did it like if you legitimately did it, how long what does it take? I mean, or I think it's I think it's four to six months. Is it really? Yeah, it's a long way. Okay, <laughs> thousands of miles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So wow, that would be cool. So all right, what what's uh what, what's what's the last gr- good movie you saw? Good movie. Oh my gosh. Oh boy. Well, my son's really showing me some interesting movies lately, and this one was was interesting. I don't know that it would be appropriate for all audiences, but. Baby Driver was uh, was <laughs> an interesting with Tyrone Egerton. Yeah, it was a good movie. It was really crazy though. With, uh, it, with... it kind of felt a little Quentin Tarantino like. <laughs> but bef- yeah, that was before everything hit the fan for Kevin Spacey. That was yeah. his last movie. Well, that basically. was his last. That one was his last he movie got before he got yeah, thrown well, under the bus. Exactly. Yeah. So so yeah, that but it actually is a good movie. It is. It is. Very I thought it was a really interesting movie. Great and soundtrack. The way it. Yeah. The music great soundtrack. Was amazing. Yeah. That is true and. The ending is really kind of threw me a little bit. So it's, it's rough. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> it is. So yeah, no, that that's definitely I have to check that out. All right. Well, cool. Well, so there you have it, folks. Greg Bland, the man with the plan, no pun intended. He is a, a landscape architect that's doing some amazing things here in Northwest Arkansas of all places. But there's a lot of good things happening in Northwest Arkansas. And I actually have a podcast about that. And um at some point in time I'll I'll share with this audience what I share over at that audience, because I think that uh, at some point we can kind of connect the two. Cross-pollination. Cross-pollination, right. Exactly. I'll do that. Especially for those of you that may be looking to move or relocate to this area and to understand why Greg and I both live here and why we really enjoy the place that they call Northwest Arkansas. So that's all I have for today's episode of Encourage, Build, Grow. Remember, our focus is helping leaders develop helping you become a better communicator and ultimately a better person through personal development. And I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and you've been listening to Encourage, Build, Grow. You can check us out. You can hear all the episodes of the Encourage, Build, Grow podcast at our website at encouragebuildgrow.com. And you can check me out and connect with me on most social media at 
Randy Wilburn. Instagram, Twitter, that's where I can be found. And all the other ways to reach out and connect with me will be in our show notes. And you'll be able to find those on our website. So that's all we have for today. We hope you make it a great one. And we will see you right back here at the appointed time next week. 